Welcome everyone to the Follow the Yogi podcast. I'm Vicki Santana, your host. Join me every week while I'll share with you mind-blowing secrets of the practice of yoga, the philosophy of it, the physical practice of it, and I tie it all together so we can apply these secrets to our lives. Stay tuned. You might just find a little gem that will change your life. And now, on to our next dose of Follow the Yogi. Welcome, welcome. It's been a while since I did a podcast. I've been restructuring my life, my business, and frankly, myself. I had so many things going on at the same time that I felt that my message was really getting diluted and I was stretched out uber thin. I'm back with a new focus now. Those that know me know that I certify yogis to teach yoga, and this is where my passion lies, second only to flowing with my students, either online or at the studio, but teaching the deepest dimensions of the practice, helping new yogis learn these things and teach these things and help them actually uh, find their own internal message, the thing that burns a fire in their belly, that is the one thing that I love more than anything else in the world. So let's get into this. There are many reasons students start a teacher training program. Some are to deepen their practice, change careers, find a spiritual practice, sometimes just because they love yoga so much and they want to know more about it, explore yogic philosophy, Accelerate life transformation. Although all of these applied to me, that last one was the kicker for me. When I realized that this process had been used for thousands of years as self-transformation, I was like, whoa, I'm in. You know, I'm at a point in my life where I've tried just about everything. So deep inside, I had it all going out. The husband, house, young child, some pretty amazing friends. God bless them for putting up with me before my transformation. But the number one life transformation I was looking for from a teacher training program might surprise you. I was hoping, no, I was praying that this would finally rid me once and for all of my terror of public speaking. I don't know when it happened when I decided that I was scared of public speaking But once I let that fear creep in, it latched onto me like a leech in a nudist colony. And it's followed me throughout my life. Not anymore, but for a really, really long time. And it didn't make any sense. See, this is where we pay attention and then we kind of ignore the reality. So it didn't really make sense because I was very comfortable singing in a choir, playing the flute for, what, 10 years and piccolo, I might add, in competitions even competing and winning in sports. But the thought of having to fill space and time with just me, man, it just left me running for the hills. It left me sweating, cold, the heart palpitations. It was so ingrained that literally stressed myself. It was so ingrained. The terror was so deep that I literally stressed myself into the hospital For five days, I was so anxiety ridden. And it was, that was one of those moments where I realized the power of mind over matter. The nurse told me that my entire body was covered in hives and there was only like a quarter size area on my body in my upper back. 
that wasn't covered in hives. They couldn't regulate my blood pressure. Uh, just they wouldn't even release me because I just wasn't in a condition. I wasn't stable enough to be released. So the wonderful thing about this process of um, transformation is that it really is never ending. There is no finish line to it. You know, there is layer after layer to tenderly reveal. Now, for me, it didn't start that way. I, I was not the tender revealer of layers. Nope. I was like a bull in a china shop. I'd punch it this way, and I'd punch that way, and I'd joke it that way, and I <laughs> and like what had been successful for me in the past, I would muscle my way through it, on to the next milestone, on to the next milestone, on to the next milestone. But it really doesn't happen that way. It happens very slowly. It happens when you're not looking, kind of like healing from other things. So, you know, as the layers are revealed, what we thought to be true or real slip away to another truth and then to another truth and so forth and so on. So here's my big statement. We're not scared of public speaking. Mavicki, you just said that you're terrified of public speaking. Yeah, that's what I thought. But let's break this down. Okay, being part of a yogi is really examining the conversations that we have with ourselves just because we think it, just because we say it, just because we believe it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. So stay with me on this one. Follow the bouncing ball. If we're speaking to at least one person, theoretically, or speaking in public, or at the very least, we're speaking to the public. Now, whether it's our family, our kids, our boss, we're speaking to the public. And this distinction leads me to the next point. So we actually have to agree that if we're not talking inside of our own head all by ourselves or to an empty apartment or an empty house, that we are engaging with the public and we're communicating with them verbally if we're having a conversation. So that's one shift that I made one day. And then soon followed was, so if I'm already speaking in public, then what am I really afraid of? What makes me so frightened that I avoid public speaking, get anxious, get ill? Why can't I surrender to the moment and allow things to fall as they do? Why can't I accept whatever is going to happen? What, you know, and to me, that was the million dollar question because... Although I have some traits of shyness to know me, you know, maybe you see me on social media, maybe you've heard some of the things that I've said in class, uh, I'm not shy. I'm very gregarious, actually. I'm an introvert. I may, not, I may be slow on the warm-up, but shy is not something that I would use to um, define myself anymore. So for me, that was the million-dollar question. Why was she so terrifying, and terrified is the word, of speaking in public. All right, so when we have things that are unresolved, they're going to manifest themselves in other forms of fear. So, you know, fear stops us from moving forward, from letting go, and from taking risks. And fear is like a birdcage. It keeps us inside, dictating what we should do, and what is or isn't allowed, it controls our being. It controls our being because we mistakenly think that this fear is going to keep us safe. 
safe of things that have not happened and safe of things that might happen. So there are three types of fears, fear of failure, fear of pain, and fear of now. Fear of failure can be best articulated in being afraid of never having what it is that we want or attaining what we want and not being satisfied, not knowing how to accept what we have asked for and move into that place of pure bliss. So have you ever, you know, gotten exactly what you wanted and you were still fearful, you were still unhappy, it wasn't satisfying to you? That's what I'm talking about here. The second one is fear of pain. Fear of pain is the hurt that resurfaces from our past. It's the samskara, the old habitual habit in the deepest recesses of our minds that prevents us from having, um, from moving towards attaining our goal. You know, it's that disappointment we have endured and the loneliness we felt during those times to staying in the wrong situation out of belief of scarcity. It's the belief that if you don't jump on the idea, or hold on to the object of desire, it will never come again. Okay, so fear of loss also. And then the third one is fear of now. And this comes from the belief that you're not enough. Uh, We don't allow ourselves to take the next step because on the subconscious level, we believe that we're not enough. That little voice that chatters all the time telling us um, that we're not there yet that we don't have it, that we're not going to aspire, aspire, hopefully you don't expire, aspire to what it is that you wanted to aspire to. You know, even if our recent track record proves otherwise, the subconscious brings up all of these old fears up of unworthiness up to the surface. And we literally don't look at logic. We look at that fearful emotion. And that fearful emotion is what overrides logic. So you see, the fear is not the fear, is not the fear of public speaking. We already speak in public. Here are some of the things that we're really fearing. We fear, what are people going to think of us? How are we going to be judged? Will they like it? Will they like me? Will they appreciate this new level of vulnerability? With this new level of vulnerability, will I get hurt? Is the mask that I've been wearing for so long going to fall off? Will I make a mistake and people's perception of me, is that going to change? Will I be ostracized because of my perceived shortcomings? Will they find out that I have been an imposter? Will I not be loved as I am. That's a huge one. That last one is a huge one. And it's really interesting, but that's, um, that's for a whole other podcast. Um, so at the base of all this fear, all of it is the fundamental thought that we will not be loved, that we are not worthy of love. It's really, you know, when I start these podcasts, um, so many different things come to mind. And I was remembering when, when I was in grade school, and we defended ourselves with a little rhyme. We didn't feel the burden of an ego just yet. And, and, and we, we thought of ourselves, we were so immortal. We were so confident. You know, we still didn't have all of this history of kind of being pushed down and our egos being bruised and all of that piling up over a prolonged period of time. So you probably remember this little rhyme. 
Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, they'll never harm me. It's cute. It's innocent. And it's true. It's just that we used to say this at a time when we didn't have so much ego clutter and ego scarring. But if we really thought about it, a word won't really harm us unless we allow it to. So it was so innocent, so simple. And, you know, we haven't really outgrown it, but I think what we've replaced it with is sticks and stones may break my bones, but to be unlight will forever scorch me. And we carry these burdens to other parts of our lives. For me, it really manifested itself in public speaking. Um, but this, these fears will present themselves in many different parts of our lives. You know, it's almost like it leapfrogs from one social lily pad to another uh, until we get to the root cause of it. We carry all this stuff into our adults, you know, adulthood. I used to say that we haven't really outgrown kindergarten. We just have bigger toys and egos, you know, to cushion the perceived blows to our ego. You know, and I stress perceived because what we think is usually far worse than what the other person is thinking about us or is going to do to us. You know, these assumptions of others kill the very relationship we have with them and the relationship we have with ourselves. Just because we think something does not make it true. Just because we have an assumption about someone else and how they're going to either accept us or not accept us, it does not make it true. It highlights our fear, but it does not make it true. Until that person shows us without a doubt that there is a direct correlation between our action and their lack of liking us. It's just that and an, an assumption. And, you know, that this really lived down in one of my relationships and it really used to perplex me. I had a mate where it was far easier for him to believe that I didn't love him. And it wasn't just with me. It, this was a stain in just about every single relationship that he had, friendship, family, romantic relationship, you know, it was, it was never even a possibility to him that someone would truly love him. So it was much easier for him to believe that someone would uh, do things to harm him. The problem with this, and it's insidious, the problem with this is because when we put this stain, when we look through this lens, all of our actions, and his included, all of his actions moved us in the direction to fulfill that prophecy in his mind. Whatever you believe, you perceive, and you achieve. When we think of something, I want you to think of that as a color to a lens. And if we see things in green, green, let's say for jealousy, then everything is going to be a threat. If we see things in the opposite color of what love is like, uh, let's see, opposite of pink might be, I don't know, brown. I don't know. I don't have the color wheel in front of me. But instead of things looking like love, they look like hate. They look like threats. 
They look like um, vulnerability instead of connection. Over time, all of these things, he fulfilled you know, these prophecies. This was laid down long before I ever entered his life. All of these things have been laid down long before we come and meet the next person. And when we project these things, these the list of all the different real fears that we have, the ones that we don't talk to other people about, we bring all of those into our next relationship and relationships and work and our goals and our dreams and all these other things. Being able to really pay attention to how we're looking at life what color of lens we're looking at and being able to start chipping away at the false assumptions we have of the outside world, the false assumptions that we have of ourselves, being able to start chipping away at those filters that we're looking at life, you know, starts helping us stop the insanity of replaying, of fulfilling these prophecies of lack of love, lack of worthiness, fear of vulnerability, of closeness, of connection. The list is endless. You know, fear is fear. Uh, but at the root, 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 fear of not being loved, I think, is the one that's at the fear of everything. Uh, everything else is just a spin-off of that. So I went to teacher training so I could be heard. So I wouldn't be, af be afraid to talk and you know, talk out loud. What I realized was that the fear was not outside of myself, but inside of myself. All of the fears I listed and so many more were there manifesting themselves in my inability to speak to the masses. When all I needed to do was listen to myself, was to start weeding through the BS weeding through the misperceptions, weeding through the tools that I used to use of self-preservation of, um, and all the old scripts of that you're not lovable and you're not worthy and you have to be perfect and all the mess, all the stuff that whether it's family, society, or even we impose on ourselves, all of that stuff. Working through that is what the philosophy of the practice of yoga helps me to do. And that's one of the things that I actually love to do the most during teacher training. I love anatomy, physiology. I love pranayama because all of these are tools, right? To get those layers off a little bit at a time or gently, tenderly revealing them so we can see them in the light and with compassion reconcile them. Over time, I learned to listen to myself and the actual fears that laid inside of me. And once I started listening to the fears that were inside of me, the fear of being heard outwardly has almost entirely vanished. Now, that's not to say there's other stuff that I don't need to work on. All of us, your teacher, your guru, every, your students, everybody, if they're being honest, they're working through their own stuff. Listen, the only difference between a teacher and a student is a teacher walked a little bit further 
or found out something new and they decided to share that knowledge with their students. But I promise you, we are walking down this same path just as everyone else. It gets a little bit more comfortable being uncomfortable. The more knowledge we have, the more practice we have, the more layers we tear down, you know, the easier it becomes. And yet at the same time, the more difficult it becomes because it would be so easy to just jump off of this roller coaster and say, you know what? I've had it. This is hard. This is hard. This is challenging. Eh, 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 eh. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. Mm. Old tools that foster fear. Mm. We're done with that. I want us to remember this because I say almost every single time in my teacher trainings that I still have that fear right before class, right before recording a podcast, right before creating a reel or launching a new product. I have the butterflies in my stomach still. What I've done though is I've realized that I can use those butterflies to either dilute my energy or teach them to fly in the same formation and fuel my success, my healing, my uh, forward movement. And until it's reconciled, you know, we're going to be looking at the symptoms, but once we look at the root cause, once we identify the root cause, we will see the symptoms in many other things, and then we can work at diffusing them. You see, fear isn't the thing. It's a symptom. If we tend to the symptoms, the fear through avoidance, drugs, sex, work, religion, yeah, even yoga or going down this path of enlightenment. If we tend to the symptoms and cover it up just for the sake of feeling good or for the sake of not feeling uncomfortable, it's just going to pop its head up once again in another version, in another relationship, in another lifetime. It doesn't go away. Energy does not get destroyed. It just transforms itself or transfers from one form to another. So I took teacher training to help me learn to not be afraid of public speaking. It ended up that I wasn't scared of public speaking. I was scared of being vulnerable. I was scared of seeing what was inside because if I looked at what was inside, I was scared of what I was going to find. And right there, that comment of, I was scared of what I was going to find is a very loose phrase of, I didn't like what I think I was going to find, which kind of bleeds into, I don't like myself, then I don't love myself. If we don't love ourselves, it makes absolutely perfect sense that we're scared to be seen. If we don't have that strong foundation of, I'm okay, I'm not perfect, but I'm okay. Trying to get it or not lose it from other people becomes a huge theme in our life. And because they cannot give us what we need, we will forever be fearful. Thank you for joining me. This was a podcast long in the making. I would love to hear comments, suggestions, questions. I have one of my listeners that wants me to do a podcast just on jealousy. Um, but for now, 
take care of yourselves, take care of one another, let love be the predominant emotion when we're interfacing with one another, and more importantly, when we are interfacing with ourselves. Catch me online at vickysantana.com. I'll see you in the next installment.